0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. Today's episode is the first in a four-part series where we get into the details of the acquisition time zones. This episode is sponsored by the Skyway Connection. If you need help with the government market from a team of contracting officers, go to skywayacquisition.com slash connect. All right, let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to start breaking down the acquisition time zones. As a reminder to the listeners, acquisition time zones is the way that we describe the the government's acquisition cycle. There's, There's the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and the source selection zone. We cover this all in podcast number three we just did an overview of each zone this is where we're going to start getting into the details of each zone so today is zone one the requirement zone so the requirement zone is where the government is defining what they want to buy the acquisition strategy is is how they're going to end up buying it but this is just the the sliver at the very beginning of the process which is what problem are we trying to solve this is before industry usually knows that there's going to be an RFP coming out, or if if they do know it's it's coming up, it's it's often because the current contract is expiring, and and this is the the follow on to that. So so industry doesn't have official word that anything's coming out, but you know that the existing contract is expiring at the end of the year, so they're gonna carry on do the next phase of that. The requirement zone is kind of unique because it. It looks like it bleeds into the market research zone and even the RFP zone, but the way we're going to talk about it today, the requirement zone is where the government is trying to get purity to, to what they want to buy. What problem are they trying to solve? The requirement itself carries through the market research zone and the RFP zone where, where it's refined, but the, the requirement zone we're going to call different from the requirement itself. Does that make sense?
1: It, it does to me, but that's because I understand it. Uh, another way to look at this is it's very easy to get spun up in the solution, meaning what exactly are the things that will solve our problem? But that's a solution. Think about what's the requirement? What, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And the reason this, this is a challenging place to be sometimes is that we're bombarded with marketing. We're bombarded with, with solutions. We're bombarded with options to buy, and not all of them meet the requirement. And really, the biggest challenge here is what is what what are we actually trying to solve? What's the problem? Right.
0: So We're here's an actually- example for you. This is from from both our past. This is the Air Force Two program that we both worked on uh, in our youth. So. The Air Force was flying the president of the United States around in aircraft that were purchased, I think, during the Kennedy administration. And now it's 40 years later. They decide they want to replace them. What is the requirement? So, so, spoiler alert, we ended up awarding to Boeing and buying customized 757s. What is the requirement? Is the requirement, hey, we need a 757 to fly the president around? Now, The requirement itself it, – it, it's probably something like we need safe, secure transportation for the president and, and his staff. And there's a, a, a zillion other inputs from the, the White House and security folks, minuscule things. But, but big picture, we're not going to get into all the other things that has to happen for the, the government to be able to buy new aircraft to fly the president around. But the, the top-level requirement is we need a safe way. To get the president around the world and, and also some of his staff. It's not we need a seven fifty seven or we need a Boeing aircraft or we need any of these other things. It, it's it's boiling it down. So requirement zone
1: and, and let me let me jump on that story real fast. What makes the requirement zone so relevant to this story is it actually ended up a combination of Boeing seven fifty sevens and Gulfstream five aircraft. So again, spoiler alert the the Air Force Two isn't one aircraft, it's a fleet of planes, depending on what's going on. So there's a big one, i.e. the 757, and then there's a small one, which is a Gulfstream Five, and, and their paint schemes are roughly the same and similar. But the point's still relevant, that if we said we need two 757s, that's not a requirement, that's a solution. We need the ability to get the, president, the vice president and a bunch, and again, you get into who all flies in the plane and when, for different circumstances. Well, the range of a 757 is different versus the range of a Gulfstream 5, You know all those kind of things, but they all met this requirement. The requirement is we need to move the vice president around quickly, efficiently, and cost-effectively. And so rather than start with the solution of, that's the aircraft we used last time, let's use that again, they said, here's the overall requirement. And the solution ended up actually being a combination of two different manufacturers and two different sized jets. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. I was inflating Air Force too. I kept saying secure transportation for the president. It's really vice president and Congress and other other people at that level. Secretary of State. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about what the government is really trying to do and what's industry doing. So specifically, what's the government doing? Let's talk about what the contracting officers should be trying to do at this point, and that is to weed out all of the solutions that have been presented as requirements and get back to what problem are we trying to solve? So that the Air Force Two, that, that's, that's a really big picture thing. Let's talk about something more simple. So you look out in your front yard, and the grass is two feet high. That's a problem. Grass is too long. When you, when you think about how to solve that problem, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, I need to buy a lawnmower. So is lawnmower my requirement is i need a lawnmower well that's actually a solution to the problem of the grass being too high the contracting officer's job here is to take when when someone comes and says we need to buy a lawnmower it's to rewind that to get back to why do you need a lawnmower what problem are you trying to solve well the grass is too high so not to stray into the market research zone where you've you figure out all the, the various solutions that are out there to solve your problem. But just as an example, if your grass is too long, do you need to buy a lawnmower? Maybe. Or do you need to hire a service to mow the lawn for you? Or to really stretch it, maybe instead of cutting the grass, either yourself or hiring a service, maybe, maybe you want to install AstroTurf so you still have that nice, lawn look but it never grows and doesn't need the same maintenance I don't think they make astroturf
1: anymore that's that's pretty and by the way that's not that's not an affiliate link
0: (laughs) (laughs) so to even take it one step farther maybe you don't even need a grass look maybe you just want to pave it over or put asphalt on it and and paint that green or maybe you don't even need green so you just just leave it a wonderful gray concrete color. But I think that's a good way to, to show all the possible solutions. None of those are the requirement. The requirement is to get rid of okay. the ugly, tall grass in the front yard. Maybe that's not even right. a requirement. Maybe,
1: maybe <laughs> the requirement is to be able to see out your front window without having to look through the grass. Yeah,
0: there you go. Until you start boiling all these solutions down, you're not really sure what the requirement is, so I believe that's what contracting officers that should be doing. That's what their job is in the requirement zone: is to reduce the, all the potential solutions back to the requirement. This is this is where you get the the level playing field. This is where you get the fairness because you're not saying we want to buy this solution and limiting all the other solutions, where you're doing a disservice to the taxpayer and to the users that that have that requirement. They may not even know what solution they want. They may not know the best way to solve their problem. They've just seen that this is one way to solve their problem. So COs can help by getting it back to what is the true requirement and then we figure out what all the potential solutions are in the next zone, the market research zone. But right now we just got to get rid of solutions and get back to the requirement. So so that's what COs on the government side should be doing. And as a result of that, they, they come up with a specification or a requirements document or, or a draft, or some, some kind of sketch where they've written down, this is what we think, this is the problem we're trying to solve. And that, that's when we skip into the next phase, is when, we're, when we've got at least that much clarity to describe what problem we're trying to solve.
1: Let me add one example from a service contract perspective. So the requirement is subject matter expertise. On radio frequency waves, for example, right? That's that's a requirement. Somebody, in an engineer that works in a research laboratory, needs that expertise. The problem is, I don't know everything I need to know about this particular product. Now, you can hire that person if they're a government employee, but if you decide to contract it out, now you need to say, what is the requirement? So you don't say, I need to get somebody from this company. Okay, that's an obvious extreme example. But you also don't say, I need somebody with this PhD. Well, you need somebody who understands this market. If you decide that how they, how they prove that they know this market, is that PhD okay? But see, that's, that's what service looks like. Or the service contracts looks like a, a solution. If you say, I need him to have a PhD. Well, do you? You need somebody who knows the market because here's what happens with that. That's how in a lot of service contracts and, and particularly in professional services, you end up with, oh, we need these people with 25 years experience and five PhDs. Do you? So let me give you a real example of what that looks like. I need somebody to do web development, okay? They need to have a, a degree in web development. Really? Because if you look at some of the most successful people in web development, a lot of them don't have degrees. So is that really what you need? Or do you need past performance? Or So, again, we're getting into solution. What do you need? I need somebody that can design me a phenomenal website, that can that can make you know, our, our government agency look really great. Okay. then let's figure out what kind of people do that that's market research so what is your problem so anyway i'm kind of i like to give lots of examples of this because on products it can be really easy on like you know you you need to be able to fly from A to B. um you need an atv that can go 100 miles an hour because that sounds easy but a lot of times in service contracts it gets really very challenging for the requirements folks and for the contracting officers to be able to say what do we really need and then see what the market is for how to solve that problem later but what's what problem are we trying to solve all
0: yeah i like that that's a good way to say
1: it because it, it it's a constant challenge you see and i when i used to write rfps for for let's let's pick one for um for r&d services for for testing of, of vehicles is, a, is one I, that comes to, pops in my head is that the kind of people that they wanted to do the work were we wanted somebody with a phd in, in metallurgy all these other things and and well, wait a minute, what, what are you trying to solve? We want somebody that understands how to test vehicles. Well, how do you know that they know that? That's your solution. But what is the problem you're trying to solve? What, what are you trying to, you as a government employee, what are you trying to keep from doing yourself? Which goes back to your example of looking out the window. I'm trying to keep from mowing that grass myself. How do I do that? Yep. That's the problem you're trying to solve. Okay.
0: Yep. So the Next. opposite of that, what is industry doing during this time? And this is, this is where the, the conflict occurs. So... What industry should be doing at this point is trying to make their solution the requirement. And that's that's completely the opposite of what we just said, where the, the contracting officer is trying to take all the solutions out and get back to what the bare requirement is. What what you on the industry side are doing at this phase is trying to get in touch with the government and show them your solution and get the requirement to reflect your solution in a way that, that you're a shoe in to win it. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's what you should be doing, and the government should be trying to, to keep it from, from being unfair. Now, sometimes you might have the only solution that solves the problem. That's probably rare. You, you might have the best solution. That's different, but the only is, is pretty rare, and we won't get into sole source here.
1: An example of what industry should be doing to show what the solutions are is that's why you have a booth at a conference. So when the user, well, you may not know his requirement. Now, you should know that, let's say, um, I'm, I'm making this up, border patrol. Border patrol is, is uh, the border patrol requirements, folks, the contracting officer, the, the program manager, the, 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 the agents who are you know, actually actively at the border right now, keeping you know, uh, drugs from sliding over the, the, the Rio Grande, for example, they use boats. Right. You should know that if you if they're a target agency for you. All right. Well, they need to know well, what kind of boats are out there. You know, what what kind of what kind of what is the art of the possible. Right. So as an industry person, you want them to see your boat and go, well, that boat is bulletproof, can go 50 miles an hour, but can also go in water as shallow as three feet. Now that they know a boat exists, that can go in three feet. They and, and, and keep in mind what they're doing. Rio Grande is deep in some areas and shallow in other areas. So knowledge of the fact that it only goes, only, your boat has, can go in three feet of water, that's useful to them. That could end up in the requirement. How do they find right. that out? Because you're showing them your product.
0: So, right. And, and all the ways to do that, the, that you highlight that, that's, that happens during the market research zone. But the government might not even know they have a requirement until they see your magic whatever. And th- they say, we want one of those. And that's where if you've, if you've if you're positioning things right, you might – your solution might become the requirement. But, uh, but how, how all that goes, we'll talk about in the next cast about, about
1: market research zone, right? Yeah. And, and another really glaring example of this would be you don't – you, the government person, don't realize that you can outsource something. So I'll put this in a, in a, a commercial side. I didn't realize that that there are people out there who can transcribe our podcasts. That's something that the problem is, and again, this is this is a personal example. Problem is that actually it's an opportunity to how a look at it. But the, the requirement is somebody asks, "Hey, can you can you transcribe the podcast?" Because there's a deaf contenting officer out there that we'd like to be able to be able to get this content. That's an awesome thing to fix. So the problem is, how do we pod, how do we transcribe this? Well, my instinct is, well, that I means Paul and I going to start writing. No, that doesn't make sense. So we look out and go, oh, look, there are people that this is what they do. Because of understanding what the requirement is, get the, trans, get the transcription done, we go looking and realize, oh, this is, there are people out there that can do this, and their marketing showed me this is something we can outsource. So think of it that way, is that part of the industry side is trying to show in, showing the government team, this is not something you have to do yourself. If you have funding to have us help you, and that's, that's really the basis of service contracts. I mean, back in the day, government employees used to mow the grass.
0: Right. And this goes, that goes back to the grass example. The, the Deciding whether or not to mow our own grass is the same at, at its core. It's the same as deciding whether w- what what we need to do is get the podcast transcribed. Do we do it ourselves? Do we hire somebody else? The best thing is if there was a software tool that did perfect transcription so that there was no human involved and it was really fast and you know, our, our quick research showed that there's nothing that, that does that for us at the moment. So I think we're going to settle on having a human involved, just not you or I. Exactly.
1: And so that's, that's really the, the basis of service contracts. And so understanding that once the government has decided they can send, send this out to the world to be done, that's one way the requirement is built. But another way is the government may realize that this is something we should outsource. And if you look at the things that have gotten outsourced over the last you know, 50 years, like the fact that, again, don't quote me on this, but I have heard it enough that I swear that it's a, tr- a fact, more than 50% of the government contracts are for services, because government employees aren't experts at everything, and we don't want them to be, because it's inefficient. Yeah. It's better to hire out some of that stuff. Well, hiring out that stuff, that's the requirement. And so 20 years ago, maybe only half of the stuff that's contracted out now was, is it was contracted out then. Part of that process was because industry, going back to what is industry doing during the requirements phase, is showing people we can do this better. It is better to have this outsourced to, and maybe outsourced is the right term, contracted out to experts in it. So look at all of the things that industry does, and that's where a lot of those requirements yeah,
0: come from. And it also goes the other way. Think about the TSA. they We decided to insource airport security because... After nine eleven they decided letting letting industry do that security function wasn't good enough. They wanted the control of it to to bring it all in house and, and hire a whole bunch of government people to do what previously industry had been doing.
1: Yeah, and, and another I going to jump on that one to get to the, the inherently governmental concept. This is a slight slight tangent, but it's important to understand in the requirement zone is this is for things that are not inherently governmental. So for example, contracting officer is spending our tax dollars. That is an inherently governmental function.
0: Yep. So actually, yeah. administering a contract, maybe not. But signing the thing, binding the government, is an inherently governmental function.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, and so a whole other podcast is all the nuts and bolts of that. But understand <laughs> that that, the, that may be, honestly, that might be part of the requirements discussion is, wow, is this something that's inherently governmental? And yeah, if it's be. security, then the answer is, no, we shouldn't contract this out. In which case, industry never even hears about it. Or, or somebody tells you, yeah, I, I realize you want to do that for the government, but we're not going to outsource that. Or, yeah. how about this? The particular agencies may decide to outsource it, and others may not. So,
0: there you yeah. go. So, let's circle back to this thought of the the requirement being a thing, and the requirement zone being being a phase of it. I, I mentioned before that the government and the industry, the the goals are somewhat conflicting at this point. The the COs are trying to get it back to the requirement. Industry is trying to make their solution the requirement. At this at this point during the requirement zone, the the possibilities for what the requirement is, it, it's it's wide open. It's very, very broad. The government's trying to figure out what the requirement is. So as they go through the other phases, this this narrows down to where the the pure requirement comes out when the RFP is released. And that's, that's a couple zones away from us. Now we're going to, we're going to come up with a, the problem statement and what, what problem we're trying to solve during the requirement zone, during the market research zone, we're going to have many iterations of what, what the parameters that requirement need to be to maximize competition to, or, or to minimize competition. If there's only, only one thing out there that, that, Will solve the problem,
1: and and you'll notice in one of the other podcasts we've mentioned the idea of the requirement zone is one of the longest zones, and the reason for that isn't necessarily because of by itself, when a binary stasis, it's it's the longest one. It's that it you visit it a lot.
0: Yeah. So are we saying the same thing there?
1: Yeah, and, and the reason I mentioned that is that in the in the zones and. Uh, whatever podcast number three we specifically talk about the requirements being the requirement zone being the longest one and let's give an example of i've spent in some cases i've spent a lot of time in the requirement zone because we had to define the requirement so going back to uh let's pick one testing uh, service contract for uh r&d services the problem was writing the specification, the, the performance work statement, which is a whole other issue of what a, what a statement of work is versus a performance work statement. A performance work statement that was really down to the details of what do we actually need? We need people who have the ability to create this result. And then that turns into then they need to have so, so much experience. They, need to have, they may need to have certain background. They may need to have certain facilities. They may need to have access to certain. They have the top secret clearance. There's all of these, these basic pieces. But it took a long time to work through that requirements process because we were starting from scratch. It never been done before. Compare that to a, a – I, I pick on ATVs because it just pops in my head. But an ATV requirement that we've had for the last, I don't know, 10 years, and we're recompeting it. And other than the changes that have happened in the industry, ATVs are – they could do more things, but the requirement hasn't really changed. We need an ATV that can do the following things. The market research may show, okay, well, we can tweak it, and it can go faster, and they're lighter, and they have better fuel efficiency and all that kind of stuff. But the requirement hasn't really changed that much. So in so, that case, they requirement going to be shorter.
0: So at that point, you circle back, you rewind back into the requirement zone, update the specifications or the requirement documents, and then you're either moving on to the RFP zone or you're going back through the market research zone again to to further test your requirements against industry's capabilities.
1: Yes, and, and I'll use the example that you used with uh, one of the previous podcasts about the helmet-mounted helmet helmet recording system. and You had mentioned the idea of is, can it be water-resistant or can it be waterproof? And the, the market research showed that you can have either. However, one's much more expensive than the other, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you go back to the requirement and go, okay, what is the real requirement? Are we going to be swimming underwater with these things, or are we going to be in, in the rain? And that's the requirement. So it, it, it's, I guess the best way to say it is that it can be a short amount of time if you really know what you need based on what's out there. But if you don't really know what you need yet, then it's, it's going to take a lot of feedback to get the requirements yeah. really fine-tuned enough.
0: And it could be all up front, or it could be a cumulative time spent in the requirement zone as you circle back to it from
1: the other zones. And, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about how this relates to the other zones and so why it's so important to get this right. I can't say get it right the first time because you can amend it, but really try to get it right the first time because here's how this plays out. If you go through the requirement zone and just put something shoddy together and then you look at the market research and then don't apply the market research concepts to the requirement, you're going to end up when you get to the, to the RFP zone, a very clear requir- a very or RF- unclear RFP with an unclear requirement. That industry can't really reply to, and they're gonna be frustrated and you're gonna be frustrated. As a country officer, you're gonna be frustrated because you're not gonna get good proposals. As a as industry, it's not gonna be clear to you, well, what exactly do you want? Do you do you want waterproof or do you want water resistant? Because I make them both. See what I'm saying? That's So that goes back to requirement. And then during the source selection phase, if the requirement isn't solid, not only is it harder to evaluate people, because if you didn't say the requirement is for, let's say we'll use the objective and threshold. The objective is I want a waterproof one, but the threshold, meaning that the least I'll sell it for is water resistant. If you didn't clearly put that in your requirement and then somebody comes in and says, I can give you a, a one that doesn't really do well at all in the rain, but it's, you know, 25% cheaper. And then you go, yeah, well, I, we don't want that. And you kick him out of the source selection. But then they protest and they say, well, you didn't say that it was a threshold. You didn't say your requirement was for water-resistant. You just said you needed to be helmet-mounted, which means that it sticks on the helmet. You see how that requirement... You go back to the requirement. It's like, what What did you say you needed? What problem are you solving? Because industry's making decisions on that, that uh, meeting that requirement. The evaluation team during the source selection is making decisions based on that requirement. And then protest attorneys, contracting officers, lawyers, that whole process during the, the, the post-source selection. But more importantly... The decision to award is based on that requirement. Did you meet? Did you solve our problem? If you didn't solve the contracting officer's problem, then they shouldn't give you a contract. But if your problem was unclear, you're all going to be fighting later. Yeah, well, but, let's fight later.
0: <laughs> oh, so let's fight up front. This is where contracting yeah, officers get the reputation, right? This is why contracting officers get the, that reputation of being slowing the process down and where all the headbutting happens with the users and the requirements folks because it's generally is the contracting officer that's that's boiling things down to what is the real requirement, not the solution. And the users have already seen the commercial for exactly what they want. They want one of those and that's just not how the government
1: acquisition system works. Exactly. And and one of the things that we you talked about was how Industry and contracting and, – actually, I pick on contracting. Industry and government, industry and the acqui- – we'll call it the acquisition team. Industry and the acquisition team are in conflict during the requirements phase because of everything you've talked about. In the market research phase, they start to get a little closer together. In the RFP stage, again, if industry is targeting their RFPs properly, which is a whole other podcast, then you should be really close together because you're, you're sending them a proposal for what they asked for. And likewise, the, what, what, what we're asking for as the contracting officers is clear enough. So in the RFP stage, you're close together. And then source selection stage, now you're, you, you've you met and you've awarded the perfect solution. So they start far apart. They start in conflict. And, you, and so that's why they have your fight now. So this may seem adversarial. And it, that's not necessarily a bad thing because you're, you're going to end up a, a, with a more clear solution. But let me give you an example. I've had heated discussions with program managers who they were convinced that, this company's solution was the right one. And so let's, let's think of one. Um, this is tough to do without really...
0: <laughs> without calling somebody out.
1: Let's not do that. Let's, let's, say, let's just say it's a service. And this, this, say this company seems to be the perfect service provider. And the answer is, well, they're not the only one that does this. So what, So let's go back to what is this? What's the definition of this? Because what happens is if we ignore this and focus on the who then guess what during the rfi you're going to get complaints from other companies who aren't that company saying hey we can do this what's up with that you're probably going to get a pre-award which we don't want to get into but maybe a pre-solicitation protest you're you're going to spend a lot of time later scrapping that out and so from a shaping perspective as it go back to the industry side rather than try and hammer them and say, you should give this to me because we're the only ones in the world that can do this and, and force a, source, a sole source contract, which, okay, that happens. I get that. Our argument is make it so that if they have this requirement that matches what you do, which if you're targeting your agencies, that's a pretty effective way to do it. The requirement is such that you're one of a very few number of companies who can do it. That's really where this conflict comes in. I talk in my book about three being the perfect number perfect number of proposals is three really highly, highly qualified companies, not 20 who kind of could probably do it. And that goes back to the requirement. If the requirement is a laser focused around what problem are we trying to solve and how much of it and how, how, many, how long is it going to take to do it and, and how much, what's the budget, all that stuff is, is finely tuned out, you're going to end up with a much smaller number of companies that can do it. And while you're trying to get competition, I got that getting a whole bunch of competition going back to the why of the podcast is that slows down the process. Yep. So a more refined requirement makes things go faster. And that's really hard to do. It, again, <laughs> that's, that, that's the goes back to the art and science because I, one of my favorite sayings was I'll put out the perfect RFP the day before I retire. And the joke being that you, you know, you're never really going to have the perfect RFP. <laughs> this is that whole idea. It's not,
0: of, you're never going to retire.
1: Yeah, that's a good move. But and I never actually retired, I just I left. But the idea is that you're always looking for that perfect RFP. Yep. You're putting more and more effort trying to get closer and closer to the perfect one. And it starts with the requirement.
0: Yep. That's great. So let's sum up. Today we talked about the requirement zone. It's zone one. It's the first of the acquisition time zones. This is this is where you define what you want to buy in 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 problem-solving terms not in solution terms it's not it's not how you're going to go about buying it it's the what part of the equation talked about what the government's doing and what industry is doing at this time gave some examples from from our past and some made-up examples of of what what is a requirement versus what is a solution ah it's funny when you forget to mute your phone and you get a text while you're recording so with that i'll talk to you later kevin all right see you